it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. A lot of my fantasy teams are in flames, but it's not over because you can play over-unders on Sleeper. That's the move. So go to your dead teams, hit that dollar sign at the top of the roster, find those running backs that are getting the touches, and go over. And those that aren't, go under. The promo code is Underworld. On Sleeper, you get a 100% instant deposit match. The promo code is Underworld. Sleeper has you covered with their over-unders. Top 10 takeaways. Off we go. Yes. What a week. Oh, what a week. What do we got? We got it. 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 We got a great week for truthers. That's right. And Kansas City is a truther haven. So Jarek McKinnon made me smile. Justin Watson making me smile. It was also a nightmare week for DFS stacking. It was the most <laughs> challenging week. To hit on stacks, we'll get into that. I challenge anyone to find more randomized touchdown distribution in the history of football. It looks like Trevor Lawrence is Peyton Manning after all. That's another takeaway. Urban Meyer now looking worse and worse. Uh, the Giants are a playoff team uh, because they didn't overthink the NFL draft. Jahan Dotson wasn't that bad of a pick after all. And if you started Brian Robinson, that was good process. Just ask anyone that started David Montgomery, Tyler Algier, Latavius Murray. Drake London is about to be one of the league leaders in target share. Miles Sanders, I'm sorry, everyone that lost because of Miles Sanders. Uh, he's, he's game script dependent. Uh, he's, he, he needs blowouts to, to hit his ceiling. J.K. Dobbins, unsustainable efficiency, but I think the touchdowns are here to stay. George Pickens continues to be an enigma. Chuba Hubbard continues to be better than Dante Foreman. Will Mac Jones be a dynasty value next year? Think about it. Think about it. Yeah. There was an interesting uh, outcome in this Patriots-Raiders game. We're going to talk about that. Ramadre Stevenson. Active is active. Active is active, everybody. Active is active. So that's the thing. That's the takeaway. Ramadre Stevenson. Active is active. And uh, target conservation came at the worst possible time for Devontae Adams. Tom Brady ruined his life for this, but did he really? We'll get into that. And uh, K.J. Osborne. K.J. Osborne uh, helping many win uh, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in, in best ball. It's, it's looking possible that K.J. Osborne was the play in all best ball leagues underdog especially we liked him right for best ball especially i mean quintessential best ball receiver delivering at the most opportune time for best ball teams i mean you couldn't draw it up better if you have kj osborne and if you started paris campbell thinking you might get a kj osborne like outcome that was also good process 
Game script can be a bitch. That's all I'm gonna say. Game script is a uh, is a it's a, it's a little devil. Right? This game script is just a tricky devil. And uh, you know, you live by the game script, you die by the game script on the top ten takeaways program. Jarek McKinnon is a fantasy football hero. He's now gone over 30 points in consecutive weeks. In hindsight, this was the role that we knew he would have all along. The fact that he didn't hit sooner was just variance. It was just a random outcome uh, that he didn't hit earlier. All we needed was one of these performances, right? I mean, when you think about the distribution of performances, you think about just the fantasy points game log for a guy like Jarek McKinnon, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because you may have been conditioned all season to not expect anything. And then when he does give you that one big spike week, because he had laid down so many consecutive non-spike weeks, your brain is trained to think, oh, this is just an aberrant performance. This is not really what he is. He's not the, the go-to satellite back on a team that almost exclusively passes the ball, right? That would be a, a great offense, right? A high-scoring offense that is is one of the most pass heavy in the NFL if I told you that you could get the undisputed satellite back in that offense you would be like yes that would be great and then I would tell you well if you go to playerprofiler.com he's also the most athletic running back of all time the most athletic running back of all time is Jarek McKinnon that's a truth. That's a true thing. That's a that's a true statement. That's a 100% factual statement right there. But I don't blame you if you doubted that you would ever see another 30 point performance from Jarek McKinnon ever again after the 13 consecutive weeks without one. It's really hard. It's just really hard to look at all those weeks stacked up knowing he's getting the snaps, right? Knowing he's getting some targets. In an offense where there's a lot of fantasy points to be scored. The conviction you had to have in Jarek McKinnon was, was incredible, and some had it. Some had it. I unfortunately didn't have the opportunity to take advantage in the, the teams where I had Jarek McKinnon, at the FFWC, for example, had Jarek McKinnon in the, uh, the one entry that we had, the one uh, uh, you know, world championship entry, and uh, we, we didn't make the shootout. So if you don't make the shootout, you can't really use Jarek McKinnon. So that was sad. That was very sad for our our uh, our uh, FFWC main event team. Absolutely had Jarek McKinnon. It, it was a fun team. And, you know, cr all credit to Dario Ofstein. Dario Ofstein circled Jarek McKinnon and KJ Osborne and Zay Jones, among others. But Jarek McKinnon in particular, late. Right? We had him like 40 slots ahead of ADP, not just in the best ball rankings, in all rankings. And I remember even going back to the Scott Fishbowl, I was, you know, deep into the Scott Fishbowl, zero RB, and Dariel's like, you got to get McKinnon. Like, that was his only contribution. You got to get McKinnon. And then I remember we were in person in Vegas. It was Cody, Dario, and I. Dario drove in from California, and we were drafted. We had a bunch of running backs already. I was like, do we need another running back? He's like, we got to get McKinnon. And I know that he was just pounding the table for McKinnon all offseason, especially in, in best ball, because he Dario does a, a number of uh, best ball 
analysis articles, featured articles on playerprofiler.com. And of course, I'm like, yeah, sure. I love Jarek McKinnon. You guys want Jarek McKinnon. You don't have to talk me into Jarek McKinnon. Absolutely. We'll, 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 we'll burn one more running back slot on Jarek McKinnon. Happy to happy to to get him on the roster. I don't know how I'll know when to play him, Dario. I prefer him in best ball, right? This is the type of player we prefer in best ball. The one-dimensional satellite back that's on the right offense needs to be thrust into a shootout or comeback mode. And then that player suddenly has eight catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. That's what you're hoping for. And then if they're also giving you a touchdown on the ground, it's like, oh my God, like a breakaway run too. But the thing is, when you go to Jarek McKinnon's profile, you see he has explosiveness across the board, like, you know, 100th percentile burst, even like a 100th percentile upper body strength. It's like, oh my God. And he still has the juice, right? He still has the juice. That's the beauty of Jarek McKinnon, less than 750 career carries. So age 30 doesn't matter to him, right? He's still got plenty of, of run in him. Another you know, two, three years in the league, easily. But you look up and you see, start the season, he's going to be 30. And you're like, eh, eh, I'd rather have Clyde Edwards-Solaire. I, I know I preferred Pacheco, right? I preferred Pacheco and... If the game script had gone a different way, we would have had a Pacheco week. It didn't, right? That's the thing. I didn't know exactly how these games are going to play out. It's the NFL. Nobody does. Looking at Chiefs-Texans, the only thing that I could have asked for would be a home game for the Chiefs. Otherwise, it's the perfect situation for a, a Pacheco week. Even in a game that was back and forth, where the Chiefs are down at the half, Pacheco still had 15 attempts, still had the 85 carries. And so this is also an occasion to remind everyone that's still in the playoffs and has Pacheco that you can still flex Pacheco. He got you the carries. He just didn't give you the breakaway run for the touchdown. That one happened to go to McKinnon. That could have easily been Pacheco in a different game situation. And that's what the overarching theme of this show is. We can't predict touchdowns. We can't predict game script with high certainty. So just chase the touches and the roll, and the rest will take care of itself. I mean, if you were playing McKinnon regularly this season, knowing that he had the right role and the right offense and it was going to happen eventually, then God bless you. All of you out there that are that guy or that gal, God bless you. But yes, it is a cruel twist. It is a cruel twist to have all this McKinnon on teams that are dead. Teams that have been burned to the ground. And I'm looking at McKinnon going, oh, man, that would have been nice. That would have been nice. I could have played you over uh, another guy I drafted. I could have I could have played you over Darrell Henderson. <laughs> you know, I could have played you over Devin Singletary. I would have been happy to do it. Played you over Cam Akers. Would have been happy to do it if I was still in contention. Yeah, I'm looking at this uh, main event team. It's got Travis Etienne, David Montgomery. McKinnon, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, Garrett Wilson, Chris Godwin, Noah Fant. If only we could have made the shootout. If only. Could be dangerous. If only. Heartbreaking. Just just heartbreaking. Just a heartbreaking situation. Because It's like, oh, dance party with McKinnon, except those teams are dead. How could you have a dance party? It's like, hey, guys, dance party. McKinnon, dance party. <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's go. No, those teams are dead. Dead and gone, man. Those teams are buried. Damn it. God 
damn it, fantasy football, man. Fantasy football. What a God, what a heartbreak. But I love it. I love it. But it's just it's just like you've gotta really just dig deep. Oh. And then if you're playing DFS, trying to hit on the right stacks, you know, you're looking up, you're like, all right, so uh CeeDee Lamb had like 125 yards and no touchdowns. Devontae Smith, 125 yards, no touchdowns. A.J. Brown, 180 yards and no touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, 105 yards and no touchdowns. I mean, this was the hardest week to find a stacking partner with your favorite quarterbacks that was actually going to score a touchdown. The best stack was Trevor Lawrence to Zay Jones. That was the best stack in all of DFS. If you had that stack, then you were doing great. You're doing great. We'll talk about Trevor Lawrence in a little bit because I have some I have some fun extrapolated stats on Trevor Lawrence vis-a-vis Peyton Manning. So that's that's exciting. Jalen Hurts was the chalk in DFS, and it didn't work out because Trevor Lawrence was a, a better value. If you're trying to win the millionaire maker, you wanted Lawrence. But in other DFS formats, single entry, then Hertz was great, right? Hertz was awesome. And even Brown got there in a tournament setting with 27 fantasy points, even more than that on DraftKings with the, with the 100-yard bonus, on zero touchdowns. Just because he had, oh, I don't know, 16 targets. So yes, this A.J. Brown in the second round, A.J. Brown mid-second round, where we took him in the uh, FFWC main event, pretty good, pretty good advice. Pretty, pretty good advice. Just wish we could have... Figured out how to start the right running backs in the right weeks on that team. That would have been nice. That would have been nice. But it's not possible to solve the running back position week in, week out. That's the thing. That Zero RB is great, especially when you get lucky starting the right running backs the right weeks. That's the one thing about zero RB that is not discussed enough is that you do need to get lucky, right? If you start McKinnon over Pacheco, that's luck, right? That's lu- that's not skill, that's luck. I mean, good job, right? I mean, Pacheco and McKinnon are both like player profile or poster children. They're the types of players you want. They're the types of players that we like to draft and we like to play. But when the Chiefs are playing the Texans and you want to go Pacheco, that makes sense. You just have to understand this is the NFL, and it could go into overtime somehow, some way, because it's at Houston. If it were in Kansas City, that would have been the most locked in Pacheco week ever. But you know not. And then you look up and you're like, well, how the hell did Jalen Hurts have all these fantasy points? And how the hell did Devontae Smith and AJ Brown have like 65% of the targets and they don't score a touchdown? Like, that is a riddle. I mean, I challenge anyone to find a riddle harder to solve than that particular riddle. Like, how is this? Okay, so let me tell you, again, Brown and Smith get 65% of the targets. Dallas Goddard is not activated. So you're playing them even more aggressively with your Jalen Hurts stacks, okay? Jalen Hurts has a great game, right? Jalen Hurts puts up 34 fantasy points. When I say great, I mean great game. 34 fantasy points. He goes over like 300 yards passing and 
He, he gives you the, the 60 rushing yards. It's the exact perfect scenario to play Jalen Hurts, and no surprise, it came against the Bears, the most fantasy-friendly defense in the league. It all makes sense. And then the riddle is, okay, so so Brown and Smith have 24 targets and no touchdowns. Hertz has 34 fantasy points. Start the clock now. <laughs> right, Write the scenario out. Problem solve for this you know, standardized test, this fantasy football standardized test. What's the answer? The answer is either a Jack Stoll touchdown and a Zach Pascal touchdown and a Miles Sanders touchdown in the passing game, or it's three Jalen Hurts touchdowns running the ball. Just up the middle, no one there, just go. And the answer is three rushing touchdowns. And with Jalen Hurts, he's such a great distributor of the ball, could be either one. Now let's talk about the Bills. The Bills also found it uh, fun to tease the fantasy stackers, right? Josh Allen says, you know what, Jalen Hurts, I see your 300 passing yards, that's fine. I'm going to pass for four touchdowns. And I also am not going to throw the ball to a wide receiver in the end zone. Okay, okay, so yeah, wait, that doesn't make sense because the Bills are near the top of the league in three and four receiver sets. So riddle me this one, Buffalo. How are you going to pull that off, Josh Allen? Okay, we're going to have a, a touchdown to Dawson Knox. We're going to do a touchdown to Naheem Hines. How about the backup tight end, too? We've got to get a blocking tight end involved. You know, we'll do a rollout on the goal line to uh, Quinton Morris. And then also a, a dump off to another pass-catching satellite back in James Cook. We'll do that. How about that? So, again, no digs, Davis, McKenzie, Beasley touchdowns. All to everybody else. So, again, we'll have 43 points from Josh Allen. And then the wide receivers will max out at 11 fantasy points. That's a thing that happened, right? That's it. So I think that even in a shootout environment, even in, you know, these best ball tournament playoffs, all these Stefan Diggs teams are in trouble, right? So that's, um, that's unfortunate for me because that was by far my, my highest owned player in the first round was Stefan Diggs. Uh, the player I, I owned the least was Jonathan Taylor. I didn't get any Jonathan Taylor because I'm not a volume drafter. And the way to get Jonathan Taylor was to have the 101. And then the argument from some high stakes players was, hey, you should you should at least draft some Jonathan Taylor at the 101 so you have some exposure just in case he goes nuclear this year for 3,000 yards on the ground. And uh, there's a, you know, a, a flashback uh, you know, rejuvenation year for Matt Ryan. That didn't happen. Spoiler alert, that didn't happen for Matt Ryan. And going all in at the 101 on a running back that is not a strong pass catcher when the team is relentlessly hyping Naheem Hines all offseason, that just didn't make a lot of sense, and I, I couldn't get there. It, again, I'm not a volume high stakes player or a volume best ball player, so I never had to do that math and make sure I was getting some exposure to Jonathan Taylor, but I still pushed back on that whole notion. I was like, listen, maybe just fade him and go with McCaffrey or Jefferson and let Jonathan Taylor beat you. Let a guy that's not a strong pass catcher at the running back position on a team that's 
average an eight and nine team, let that running back beat you. I don't care how athletic he is, right? Again, Jonathan Taylor is a wonderful player. He has promoted me <laughs> personally. But drafting him at the 101, especially knowing the kind of running backs you could get in the second round, running backs that look a lot like Jonathan Taylor, like Nick Chubb, then what are you doing, right? I can't get a, a, a Justin Jefferson in the second round. I know that. I mean, I can't even get a Stephon Diggs in the second round. I don't need a lapse into reruns. If you listen to the show in the summer, that was every show. So we don't need to, we don't need to like, go over it again. But it is interesting now that even Stephon Diggs, based on how the playoff performances are shaking out and the playoff production is coming down, not great. Not great. So I'm not that happy with how this week has shaken out, but I'm also empathetic to those that are losing money in DFS because of what happened and losing money in best ball and feeling crushed for lots of reasons, not just a Stephon Diggs 11-point performance. You would think that Stephon Diggs against Miami was a great spot to be in. If I told you the game was going to be 32-29, you'd be like, oh my God, Diggs, it's going to be great. He's going to go for like 110 and at least one touchdown. Nope, that was Jalen Waddle. And if you were following the weather forecast closely, you saw that the snow was starting to ebb at that game as it was kicking off. That's where my experience playing football in the snow came in because from Maine I know that the best conditions for scoring points in a snow football environment is just after it stops snowing that's exactly when you want to play football in the cold weather you want to go right as the snow is starting to ebb I talked about this on the roster watch show on Saturday I was like this is this is gonna be a good game this is going to be a lot of points scored. Play your, play your Dolphins. Play your Bills. This is not bad weather. This is good weather. This is this is this is point scoring weather. And then sure enough, it smashed. The over was only forty five. Easiest over on the board. If you are from a northern state and you played snow football as a child, then you knew that this game was going to go over easily, 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 easily. I didn't know that every position would get touchdowns from fullback to backup tight end, blocking tight end, satellite back, no receivers. That I didn't have on my bingo card. But we are sponsored by Rival Fantasy, and they do have Fantasy Bingo. So you could take these over-unders and create a bingo card with them. You can take challenges and say, I, want, I think Player X is going to outscore Player Y, and you can build a bingo card with these different choices. It's pretty fun. I mean, I've never heard of Fantasy Bingo before, and then when I heard about the idea, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. So I was happy that Rival Fantasy sponsoring us. You should check out Fantasy Bingo. It's just a fun thing. I mean, and eventually we're going to figure out all the different things you can do with fantasy football, but so far, innovation is still happening. Rival Fantasy, the promo code is PLAYER, and they refund all your losses up to 50 bucks. So that's a new type of offer that we haven't had before, and I love it. So Rival Fantasy... Play Fantasy Bingo, and the promo code is PLAYER to get your misses refunded up to $50. I mean, it, it, it wasn't just Jalen Hurts, and it, it wasn't just Josh Allen. It was also Dak Prescott. We had, these were players we wanted to play this week in DFS. 
We love Dak. I was like, Dak Prescott is going to go for 250 and three at least. And then he did exactly that. But his touchdowns went to Hendershot and Noah Brown. What? What? This was the most randomized touchdown distribution week of all time. I, I challenge you. I don't. I didn't have to go into the archives. I mean, I this is this is true fact without any research. I know it to be true. And if anyone wants to go in the comments and say, "Oh well, you know," I look back and you know there was a Sunday in 1986. Go ahead. Go ahead. Look at the touchdowns scored by players by their seasonal target shares and tell me that there's been a week that's more randomized than what we've just experienced. And the week's not even over yet. Hendershot. Kidding me? Lamb at 126, no touchdowns. I could have used those touchdowns and that the I mean the 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 Dynasty League with Nate. I'm getting bounced. And I think it's going to be on a Lamb non-touchdown. I think if Lamb had, had scored a touch, I have Devontae Smith as well. I have Smith and Lamb. Just one touchdown between those two guys. I would have advanced. God damn it. And Zay Jones, baby. I mean, Zay Jones. It, it was funny that we, uh, we were making fun of Zay Jones week, right? Zay Jones chalk week. It's a very specific criticism of DFS players that they get too far out over their skis on wide receivers that have never done anything or they point chase on players that have only had one good week all year right and it's like hey well just oh wait that's not that's not good chalk what's happening what's what's going on here right and then we talked about it on the Stackfest show well in the weeks after as long as the ownership is coming down then you can play zay jones go ahead it's a great spot for him yes right well, this week, we had a Chris Moore chalk week. And on the roster watch show, I was like, listen, guys, are, have you seen this? Have you seen, have you seen something called Chris Moore chalk week? 25%. And then, the, and then the, the analysis was, no, this is a different. No, this is different. Chris Moore is different. This is not like Zay Jones chalk. This is, this is fine. Chris Moore, 25% is fine. Fine. Right? Chris Moore had eight fantasy points. Of course. Right? Because he was the chalk. Don't you see? Don't you see? When you're not looking at Zay Jones, then he scores three touchdowns. When you're focused on him, he'll not do anything. It's the football Heisenberg uncertainty principle. The, it, the act of putting him in your lineup will suppress the fantasy production. You can't look at him. If you don't look at Zay Jones, he's going to go off. It was a good spot for him. It was a good spot because you're thinking, oh, this is, this is going to be garbage time. For Zay Jones. And as it turns out, no, it's just uh, a good time, right? Zay Jones is like, you know, I, I get the garbage time thesis, Podfather. So whether you want to play me based on that or not, that's fine. As long as you're playing me, all good, right? And I did. I, I played him in the Scott Fishbowl, but I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think it's, well, we're going we're gonna to find out if I make it in the Scott Fishbowl. It says I have a buy, but I'm not sure. I don't see how I can have a buy this late in the year. So I, I did play Zay Jones in the Scott Fishball. So we'll see how that works out. Pretty good. Pretty good. But see, he had three touchdowns. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, C.D. Lamb, Stephon Diggs, down the board. All of them. None. Right? Even Kelsey with 105 yards, no touchdowns. And it was a great, it was just a great time to be a truther. I mean, and not just, not just Jarek McKinnon. Check this out. Check out Justin Watson. 
right? I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs definitely use playerprofiler.com. The reason why Kansas City is performing so well and Patrick Mahomes has been the most efficient quarterback in the league, they're surrounding him with weapons that are player profiler approved. Jarek McKinnon, right? The original Jarek McKinnon truther right here. And now it was just so proud of that Dario now taking the mantle from me. And then that you have guys like Cody, guys like Dario, guys like Billy, guys like Aaron Stewart, down the line, all these creators, Jason Allwine, Jack Cavanaugh, all these guys, just such great analysis that we're getting time and time and time again from all these guys right down the board. Now we got this betting show, the juice with Siobhan. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And then to be like, hey, I don't have to do all the heavy lifting on all of the player profiler approved players. Dario can take the lead on Jarek McKinnon. Like, that is such a great spot. If you're me and you're in this chair, it's such a great spot to be in. You could trust these guys to, like, okay, don't don't worry. Hey, we got this. We got this with uh, with McKinnon. But, but Podfather, you can go ahead and uh, keep the candle lit for Justin Watson. Justin Watson will be heard from again. Justin Watson is not dead yet. Justin Watson is someone that I have been stashing and just keeping the light on, the candle lit on the taxi squad. Keep him there. Now, in a lot of leagues, he's too old. <laughs> That's the challenge with some truthers that they, like McKinnon, they get too old. He turns 38. You're like, he's never done anything. It's like, no, no, but he might end up on the Chiefs. Justin Watson is better than Marquez Valdez-Scantling, right? He is their second best receiver after Juju Smith-Schuster. That's a, that's something to keep in mind, right? So if he's available in Dynasty, I would pick him up. It's very possible he has a feature role next year. He has very little wear and tear. He's younger than Jarek McKinnon. Could be the wide receiver version of Jarek McKinnon. Has great athleticism, great college production. He's the type of player that we always and forever will keep the candle lit for at Player Profiler. Trevor Lawrence. He is Peyton Manning after all. And that was Anand Nanduri, just another analyst at Player Profiler, nailing it. So here's Trevor Lawrence extrapolated stats for the full season. If we if we play out the rest of the season, he will have close to 4,300 yards, an incredible 3.5 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio, 7.0 yards per attempt, and a 66% completion percentage. In his second year, Peyton Manning had 41,035 yards, a 1.75 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio, not good, 7.8 yards per attempt on a 62% completion percentage. So Trevor Lawrence is pushing the ball downfield less, and that's partly because the schemes have changed. All offenses in the 90s were geared to push the ball downfield more, and in the years since, maintaining drives with completions, keeping the ball a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, has been the emphasis. That's how the the yards per attempt comes down from 7.8 for Manning in year two to 7.0 for Lawrence, but 
the completion percentage goes up proportionally from 62 to 66. And the big difference is that Trevor Lawrence is throwing half the number of interceptions per touchdown that Peyton Manning is throwing. So Trevor Lawrence is better in his second year, has been more efficient, and certainly um, a much better steward of the football and maintaining drives, much better at maintaining drives than Peyton Manning in his second year. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has been a full-blown drive sustainer, unlike Peyton Manning. He's been better. He's been I mean, Trevor Lawrence, better than Peyton Manning. Think about it. That, that was the big comp coming out. That was the big comp. Trevor Lawrence, Peyton Manning. You know, size, arm strength, mechanics, physical tools. Manning, better information processor. Lawrence, more athletic, but similar. And now here we are. And I wonder where Urban Meyer is. Urban Meyer, where are you? That is a question. Where the hell is Urban Meyer right now? I mean, what a buffoon. What a buffoon. You had it, bro. You had a generational quarterback. You had the franchise quarterback that so many teams spend decades searching for. You had him. That was the reason you took the damn job. And you threw it all away to to pinch some co-ed's rear end in a bar? To, to talk down to professional athletes, to grown men? You just had to you just had to talk down to people. You just had to be a condescending womanizer, really? The Jaguars could be even better though. They could be even better if they hadn't fallen for the banana in the tailpipe edge rusher in the draft, right? Trayvon Walker. I know Trayvon Walker, hey, hey, he's been he's been good, he's been making plays, he's young, he's ascending. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, sure. All I know is He's that guy that got steamed up in the final month, right? Oh, well, Daniel Jeremiah had him number one months ago. Yeah, I know. But the rest of the mock draft community finally got on board and the NFL teams got on board in the final month and a half of the process. And once teams start putting that player in that number one position on their big board in March, it takes a couple weeks for the mock drafters to finally hear about it, and then they steam him up, and then the next thing you know, all these mock drafts that are coming out in April have Trayvon Walker at one, and it, but it takes even longer for the public to figure it out, and then he, he doesn't flip in the betting markets until we're two weeks away from the draft. That, that's, that's the story of what happened with, with Trayvon Walker going up to number one in the NFL draft, but none of it made any sense, and... What we talked about in Las Vegas with our NFL draft live stream was that if you're in that spot, you don't take big risks. You just take the guys that have been there all along that are the true alphas at their position, and you don't worry about what your scouts are saying. If you are in that general manager chair, you can't fall for it. You can't fall for it. Now we look up. And Kayvon Thibodeau is winning games by himself, right? Kayvon Thibodeau was the move. Check this out. From the 10, second and 18. Thibodeau got there. Oh, got the ball. Oh, scooped it and scored. Touchdown, Giants. Kayvon Thibodeau. What a play around the edge. Got to Heineke's arm. Get the trifecta. Strip sack. Fumble recovery, touchdown. 
He was the no-brainer 101 for six months. And then this guy from Georgia, on the strength of, of the, the college football playoffs, which Kayvon Thibodeau didn't even participate in, you know, gets steamed up. Oh, Daniel Jeremiah had it. Okay, Daniel Jeremiah knew a guy that knew a guy in Jacksonville and knew that they were super hyped on Trayvon Walker all along. And so he had him in his mock draft. He's the part of the problem, right? I'm not looking at Daniel Jeremiah going, oh, yeah, Daniel Jeremiah did have it early. Maybe, maybe he wasn't as steamed up as I thought. No, no, no. Daniel Jeremiah is part of the problem that one team leaks to their one guy in the media who they like. Next thing you know, that guy's coming out, and then everyone's following him. And then it's all lemmings off a cliff. And then all the teams are looking at all these mock drafts with Trayvon Walker at one, and they're like, well, I guess Trayvon Walker should be the one. Yeah, that makes sense. And they're talking themselves into him. And then Kayvon Thibodeau's like, what the? What? 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 But Tray- Trayvon Walker? What? You know? That motherfucker can't compete with what? And the Giants are like, wait a second. For months, it was Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. We get both of them at six and seven? Uh, yes, yes. Just no-brainer, no-brainer. It's just like the, the clip of the Detroit Lions where they're in the, they're in the draft room and they're like, should we trade up? And they're like, no, I, I think we just wait. We just wait. I, I got a feeling, Brad Holmes, like I got a feeling that the Dolphins aren't going to take our guy. Don't call them. Let's just wait. Right? There's no we're not gonna don't don't panic. Let the teams fuck up in front of you. And then sure enough, the pick is in. At the 106, the Miami Dolphins have selected Jalen Waddle, and the entire Lions draft room erupts. And they're scrambling to call a Penny Sewell, right? A, a franchise redefining player who falls to that same spot as Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. These things make no sense. At the time, in real time, we're criticizing these picks as they're coming in. Like, these teams are focused on the right details and or overthinking it. They're getting swayed by public opinion. They're getting swayed by rumor. They're getting swayed by the wisdom of the crowd, also known as an echo chamber. If you're not careful, it can be an echo chamber. What you think is the wisdom of the crowd can actually be an echo chamber, and you're suddenly not selecting the clear and obvious player for whatever reason, whatever reason. And I feel sometimes like I'm being boring, right? I have been one of the more polarizing figures in this industry for five plus years. And here I find myself in these situations where I'm like, I think you just go chalk here. I think you just got to go chalk. And those that are not going chalk, those drafting Kyle Pitts and Jalen Waddell, and Trayvon Walker, they're just overthinking it. This is crazy. I'm just going chalk here. Now I'm like this, you know, I'm, I'm like an old grandpa. You know, I'm, I'm, it's like, hey, hey, grandpa, listen, we got this, right? We, we, This guy had a great championship game, and he's super athletic. We're going to go with him instead. Okay, grandpa, why don't you go sit down? We got this. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I think this is the right move. I think I'm going to go offensive line here. Right. And it's like, that's not a fantasy relevant position. And I'm like, this is not a fantasy conversation. This is do you want your franchise to finally make the playoffs? And in Detroit, they said, yeah, I think it'd be a good thing to make the playoffs. We're not going to run this team like a fantasy team, like what the Dolphins did. 
We waddle. That was a fantasy pick. That wasn't a real-life pick. No matter what your needs are, you're going Sewell there every time. Every time. Not the fantasy move. And I'm not even, because I'm over the, the whole Kyle Pitts thing. We, we, that's plowed ground. right? No one needs to hear about what a catastrophic mistake that was. Now I've moved on. We'll talk about how, how much better off Miami would be with Sewell. How about that? And Washington. I, I don't think they should have selected Jahan Dotson. If you wanted a wide receiver there, uh, how about Traylon Burks? And if you're not going to go wide receiver, probably go uh, edge rusher or offensive lineman, right? The best value anyone's got in the draft in years was Christian Derisaw with a, a cornerstone left tackle uh, in the second half of the first round. That's called winning, okay? Drafting a, a fun, explosive, small wide receiver there ain't it, right? And yet, Jahan Dotson is looking great. Jahan Dotson's making plays, spin moves. He looks incredible. Like He's fun to watch. Jalen Waddle, fun to watch, right? Still not the best draft pick at that slot, right? It could If Traylon Burks comes back from this injury, from this severe concussion, and continues to be super efficient, then this is going to be one of the best wide receiver classes we've ever seen. And Jahan Dotson's now part of that story. Christian Watson's definitely part of that story. Drake London is part of that story. Drake London's target share is now back over 30%. That's top eight in the league, and he's only a rookie, a young rookie. So our top three wide receivers in rookie drafts, Olave, London, Wilson, Wilson, Olave, London, London, Wilson, Olave. It was those three receivers in that order for most of the offseason. Different orders, but yeah. Burks was in there before the combine. So that's looking good. Feeling good, looking good, and for different reasons, right? For different reasons. Olave and London, they're getting the target shares. Olave, more big plays. London, more target share. And then Wilson is the combination of both, right? What you're getting from Olave plus what you're getting from London you combine the two, and that's what you're getting from Garrett Wilson. That's why he's clear number one wide receiver from this class. And looking at this Washington and New York Giants game, it was such a, a, a great spot to bet on the Giants there because the Giants are just a better team. It's a division game. You know the Giants are a better team because one of the reasons is they drafted Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal, and Washington drafted Jahan Dotson. So that's part of the reason why. When you can come away from a singular draft with two cornerstone assets at two of the three most valuable positions, you're not allowed to be surprised when that team makes the playoffs. <laughs> That's just how it works. I was like, Giants are suddenly very interesting after seven picks are gone in the draft. Third round pick, Brian Robinson, gross, right? Just awful pick. You can't throw away third rounders I mean you can but then you can't expect your team to be any good that said if you played Brian Robinson as Rich Rebar suggested as I agreed then I I wouldn't blame you I started Brian Robinson in leagues he didn't deliver but that was the spot at home against the Giants is a Brian Robinson spot we don't know how the game is going to play out right it's the NFL they could have been up 10 and then the commanders are just running the ball the second half Robinson gives you the 90 and a touchdown he gives you 17 fantasy points, and you're very happy. Now you look up, and you're not that happy. 
but it was the, it was good process. It was the same process that led you to, to playing David Montgomery, that led you to playing Latavius Murray, and even playing Tyler Algier, right? The Falcons were in a spot where they were teed up to win that game against a bad team, okay? You don't play Algier when the Falcons play good teams, but you can play Algier when they're playing a bad team, and they might get the positive game script. David Montgomery is, is, is hogging all of the targets in the, in the running game among running backs as well as getting the carries. So just based on opportunity share alone, when you're running the numbers and you're running the projections, and I'm looking up and I'm like, every week I'm like, man, Dario, Latavius Murray's a little high, isn't he? And he's like, listen, he's getting a huge share of the offense, and they are probably going to score 20 points. At least that's what Vegas thinks. Who can score the touchdowns for this team? Jerry Judy and Latavius Murray. Especially when it's a home game against a bad team. So this was the spot. If you went out and picked up Latavius Murray, as we suggested, remember we talked about how why Latavius Murray was a better pickup than Mike Boone many weeks ago. It was to play him sporadically, strategically throughout the year. But if you play a guy like Latavius Murray, I've been playing a lot of Latavius Murray, and, and some of those teams were eliminated, and I never got a chance to play him this week. This <laughs> is what happens. But you're playing David Montgomery for the same reasons. David Montgomery is going to have these weeks where the Bears are down huge, the dump-offs don't go to him, or the passes don't go to him, and that's fine. But more often than not, he is going to get a significant share of the offensive touches. And during the course of a football game, those lead to fantasy points. That's just how the projection system works. That's when you when you talk to people that are specializing in weekly rankings and projections, they're like, listen, guys, you know, you got to consider playing a Latavius Murray this week. And David Montgomery is a guy you have to play. Brian Robinson's a guy you, you have to play. And you're like, these guys are all gross. These guys run a 4-6. None of them are, are super fluid in the passing game. Only one, David Montgomery's commanding any kind of significant target share. This is not where I want to be. And it's like, well, a lot of us don't have a choice, right? The running back position gets hollowed out for all kinds of reasons, injuries, or you're looking at just dreadful matchups. And we laid out this exact situation with Brian Robinson, with Rich Rebar last week, but it was the same for David Montgomery, and the same case could be made for Latavius Murray. And if you're going to have Tyler Algier on your team, like I did in the Scott Fishbowl, well, this would be the week to play him, right? I lost Damian Pierce. What am I going to do, right? You lose Damian Pierce. you got to make a decision. You should play the guy that's going to get the 15 touches. Touches are touches, and those 20 points aren't going to score themselves, even when it feels gross. But on the flip side, you also can't be so certain that Miles Sanders is going to go nuclear. Of course you're playing Miles Sanders, yes, but you don't feel that great about it because you're like, oh, well, if the Eagles aren't up 10 and they're not just handing the ball off or they're facing a defense which is deciding to, to be stout against the run this week or they're keying on Miles Sanders in some way because Miles Sanders has, has been the engine of their productivity the last few weeks, well, you you could be in trouble, right? Miles Sanders does not catch a significant number of passes. He hasn't caught more than two passes all year. So now you're set up in a situation where he needs to have a 10-point lead. And the beauty is the Eagles often do, so you're fine. 
you're fine. You're going to get your 20 fantasy points from Miles Sanders and feel great about it. But just know that it is the NFL, and those games are out there. Guys like Miles Sanders operate best in blowouts, and when you look up and you see the score, like I did, and I had Miles Sanders in a bunch, I'm like, oh, God, this is bad. I guarantee Miles Sanders has nothing. Then I'm like, oh, but a bunch of rushing touchdowns. So oh, that's good. Oh, Hurts touchdowns. Good. Good. That's good. Not for the Miles Sanders teams, but fine. We have Hurts also. It's good, right? Being bullish on the Eagles was great, right? You're winning either way. Your teams either have a Hurts or they have an A.J. Brown or they have a Miles Sanders. The only way is if they have a Goddard. I'd probably have as much Goddard as any of those other guys. So, uh... So those teams weren't weren't happy, but betting on the right teams at the start of the season helps you at this point in the season. You're like, okay, I'm glad I have a bunch of Eagles. This is this is good, right? Not every one of these teams that we thought would take a step forward took a step forward, like uh, the Ravens, right? The Ravens, not good. Right? I happen to have uh, a lot of uh, Rashad Bateman, so that didn't work out. A lot of other people I know have a lot of a uh, Mark Andrews. No, didn't didn't happen. Also in Dynasty, I'm a raging J.K. Dobbins fan. He has one target the last two games. This is very Miles Sanders, right? You're, you're hoping that the Ravens can become the Eagles next year and J.K. Dobbins can give you a Miles Sanders-like year. That's what you're hoping for. But through the last two games, J.K. Dobbins has fewer targets than Kenyon Drake. He has a sub-50% opportunity share. So the case for playing J.K. Dobbins was the same as playing Tyler Algier. The case was stronger to play Latavius Murray. That's the point. The point I'm making is, yes, J.K. Dobbins has more brand equity than Latavius Murray, but they're both trapped in these low-scoring offenses. Looking at a pretty horrendous game scenario unfolding where the scores could have been reversed, right? You look at... The, the the Denver game versus the Baltimore game, if Baltimore was 24-15, no surprise, right? You wouldn't have been surprised at all. If Broncos Cardinals was 13-3, again, no surprise. But it also could go the other way. Which guy's getting the bigger opportunity share between Latavius Murray and J.K. Dobbins? Actually, Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray more active in the passing game. That's why when you're wondering about projections and why they shake out the way they do, that's why. We should talk about George Pickens. Good news, he commanded the second most targets on his team. He again put up a high yards per target, another yards per target a day for George Pickens, over 10. Remember last week he was 3 for 3 for 78 yards, just an incredible yards per target, more than 25 yards per target actually. 21 to be precise. He's been ultra efficient. But his target share has been low. Uh, Terrace Marshall was also 3-for-3 three three this week. So he, he's he been putting up a nice yards per target. And I asked Rich Rebar, is, 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 is George Pickens Terrace Marshall? I don't know how you can't look at George Pickens and not get Terrace Marshall vibes. right? Terrace Marshall was the George Pickens of his draft class. Well, had the size, had the athleticism, had the hunger. Was just a special playmaker especially in these contested situations the ability to go up and snatch the football was something that scouts just oohed and odd at right it was something it was inspiring and then Terrace Marshall can't get on the field and then when he's on the field he can't command targets okay 
Well, at least Pickens is getting on the field. Pickens was drafted a little bit earlier. His profile slightly better, but they were both five-star recruits, played in the SEC, similar production profiles, similar athletic profiles. They're similar guys, okay? It's, it's not good news. I don't like that they are similar. Pickens has been much better as a rookie. Terrace Marshall was non-existent, didn't play. Pickens has been efficient this year. So he's currently way out ahead of Terrace Marshall. But week 15 did nothing to ease my concerns about George Pickens. I saw Deontay Johnson commanding 10 targets. Oh, well, that's that's Mitchell Trubisky. That's a Mitchell Trubisky thing. He doesn't like George Pickens. Those narratives don't make sense, right? That doesn't that's not a reason to go get George Pickens that Mitchell Trubisky doesn't like him. I mean, when you say it out loud, it sounds so silly. Right? And I don't want to get in a situation where we're comparing Pickens to Marshall like we did Jonathan Taylor to Trent Richardson. Because it ain't that, right? Pickens is a better prospect. Taylor, a better prospect than Trent Richardson. And Pickens, again, has, has seen the field a hell of a lot more than Terrace Marshall as a rookie. That's a big deal. It's not just the targets. It's, it's the snaps and the routes matter as a rookie. The team likes him. The team trusts him. They traded Chase Claypool because they like what they've seen. This is all good news. It wasn't like the Carolina Panthers didn't trade Robbie Anderson in 2021 based on what they were seeing from Terrace Marshall. In fact, they extended him. Completely different situations, but I'm still terrified. I'm still terrified, and you're going to see Pickens continue to slide down the dynasty rankings because of these performances. I'm just warning you. I'm warning you. And Chuba Hubbard going up. Chuba Hubbard, much more efficient again than Dante Foreman. Younger, active in the passing game. Chuba, Dante. Oh, on, on Sirius, there was a on the Roster Watch show, all these questions about, oh, what about Dante Foreman? Dante Foreman? What are you doing? Right? It's like, the argument to play a Dante Foreman was the same as like an Algier, but more like a, even a, a Latavius Murray at one point. Because, oh, bad team, but he's getting the opportunity share. Once Hubbard comes in and is getting this similar opportunity share, all the targets, and is, is now the rushing leader in consecutive weeks, now there's no reason to play Foreman. When Foreman's getting all the touches, then sure. You play the guy getting all the touches, when he's at home and the matchup is either juicy or they're facing another bad team and you know, okay, there's going to be some positive game script here. You just want to make sure that you're not walking into a blowout playing Dante Foreman. But once Chuba starts to cannibalize all these touches and, and a lot of the valuable touches too, then it's like, okay, you're at home against the Steelers, but you're you're no longer getting this huge distribution of the touches so now I definitely don't want to play you. You're on a bad team and you're not getting the opportunity share. So there was actually a better case to play Algier than Dante Foreman this week. And then the fantasy point performances back that up, baby. Ramondre Stevenson. You played Ramondre Stevenson because uh, he was active. And active is active. You're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Injuries can look bad on film. And then not actually be as bad when you're looking at the MRI results. But we don't have MRI results on Ramondre Stevenson. That would be a HIPAA violation. So you just have to trust that 
If he's active, he's going to play. And if he's going to play against the Raiders with no Damian Harris, then he's going to get the vast majority of the touches, and you want that guy no matter what. Even if he's inefficient, even if he isn't as explosive because of the injury, you play him anyway. Again, it's all the same logic that would go into playing Latavius Murray goes into playing a Ramadre Stevenson. And he almost got some uh, overtime touches. Could have had some overtime touches. Would have had some overtime touches. If not for uh, this play. Mac Hollins out on defense. He's all the way back. Uh, Stevenson. Oh, go! Go, Ramadre! Inside the 30, flips it back. Oh, he's going to go! Stanford band nowhere in sight. Uh-oh. Wait, what? It's picked off. Oh, no, no. Oh, I, no. That's ridiculous. That didn't happen. That was fake. Did happen. Crazy. Oh, this show, by the way, this show getting demonetized on YouTube. 100%. I, I said, I said, you know, I said, I said, it uh, uh, looks like we're going to get demonetized this week. If I keep playing all these clips, right, with, with audio, right? And I'm like, uh, okay, well, well, let's play a bunch of clips then. We'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll lean into the demonetization. They won't. They won't know which 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 channel to send the money to. We're going to be demonetized seven different ways. That's fine. Fine. It's funny. It's a funny clip. Funny clip. Also, those of you that uh, saw the World Cup, as good as these games were, okay. I just want to put this out there for those of you that are soccer fans. Whatever you saw in the NFL the last two days, been great, great games, great, exciting games. Amazing. You know the Jaguars won. They beat the Cowboys. You know that, right? And, and, and there were a bunch of overtime games. One of them, the Cowboys, the Cowboys lost in overtime. The Chiefs won in overtime. As good as the football was, the soccer was better. The soccer was even better. One of the best kick saves and a beauty I've ever seen. And I've been watching soccer for less than a year, religiously. But that was beautiful. That was a beautiful save. I looked up and I was like, wait, that goalie? That goalie plays for Ashton Villa? I'm like, I, I just, it's one of those Premier League teams where I rarely watch. I'm like, I didn't realize he played for Ashton Villa. It's just interesting how certain players step up and make plays in the World Cup and they do things that those of us that watch them in Europe don't ever do for their club teams. It's very interesting. And then you have guys that, that play great for their club teams. And then they, they just are, are non-factors uh, in the World Cup. It's fascinating. It's just a fascinating thing. Argentina played incredible. They played as a team. And they have a lot of young players. It's like, oh, Messi's older. He's going to be retiring soon. He'll, that's his final World Cup. Swan song, champion, great. They, they got him his championship. and They can all go off into the sunset. Absolutely not. Most of their players are awesome and they're 22, 23 years old. So Argentina is going to be back. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but uh, they're going to be very difficult to beat as defending champions, probably without Messi. If Messi played, it would be cool, though. Right? Maybe as a coach. Most of the best players make terrible coaches, so I think he'd be a bad coach. I very much appreciated the play of uh, Christian Romero, the center back for Argentina was uh, so often in the right place, right time. 
um, and was able to uh, defend in key situations without uh, getting yellow cards, without even fouling. This is something he does all the time at Tottenham, and I wasn't sure how he would play at this level, and he was what he is, one of the great defenders I've ever seen. He's also like 24 years old, and uh, he's going to be a team leader in, in four years for Argentina. So look out. I'm a big Argentina fan now. I mean, if, if you're not an Argentina fan at this point, I don't, I don't know what they can do. Uh, that was amazing. And so I, I just wanted to make sure that we, we had uh, just the slightest bit of World Cup analysis there. Not really an analysis, just, uh, hey, Argentina, right? Great. And I also heard the, the sound. Like there, there was video of people just putting their phone out into Buenos Aires and just uh, listening to everybody reacting in all their apartments watching the game. And it just the, it would, it just filled the city. The celebration filled the city. You could see no people, just buildings, and then just celebration sounds. Very cool. When everyone in a large community, hundreds of thousands of people, are all participating in the same exact activity at the same time, and there's celebration... It's a very special event, and it's something that only like these sort of whole-country-based teams can, can really achieve. And that's not even the final image I want to throw up on the screen. It's not. And, and before we go to the last game I want to talk about, because I do want to talk about Tom Brady, I want to talk about the Colts and the Vikings, target conservation coming at a very bad time for Devontae Adams. So we were enjoying Green Bay Devontae Adams for many weeks with no Waller, no Renfro. Waller, Renfro come back. No surprise. The ceiling comes down on Devontae Adams. Bad timing. Bad timing. As someone who has a lot of Adams and Diggs, those are my two most frequently drafted players, uh, this was a bad week. Again, I think I've mentioned it three or four times that this, this week wasn't profitable for the Podfather uh, in any format. DFS, bad. Seasonal, bad. Best ball, bad. Why? Uh, Diggs and Adams, really. That's, that's it. It's, it's tough. It, when your first-round picks don't fire, it, you're, 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 you're fighting for your life. You're hoping that you have McKinnon and, and K.J. Osborne on your best ball team. K.J. Osborne was a, a strong play in what looked like a high-scoring game, and we got exactly what we wanted, but game script can drive performances, right? Had the Cardinals had a 10-point lead, then James Conner would have had the game that Latavius Murray had. And then Latavius Murray would have had the game that James Conner had. That's just how the game script plays out. And we don't know how it's going to play out until the games happen. Do you play James Conner, you play Latavius Murray, and you hope for the best. You hope to get the right game script. If you were playing Paris Campbell, you were even more confident than if you were playing... K.J. Osborne, but K.J. Osborne got the game script. K.J. Osborne got the comeback mode, and Paris Campbell was on a team that was just trying to sit on the ball, try to just hope that the clock would run out, and then it didn't, right? When they were passing, they should have been running, and when they were running, they should have been passing. And Matt Ryan had the strongest, most overt case of deja vu you could ever drop for someone. I mean, that, that this would happen to Matt Ryan, the greatest comeback in NFL history against Matt Ryan, who was also the recipient of the most famous comeback in NFL history. He knows that feeling well. Having defeat seized out of the arms, the clutches of victory, 
as he is clutching his sphincter, trying to prevent the football from going up inside, and he can't do it. He just can't. He can't. It's going to happen. Just let it. Just relax into it, Matt. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> You're getting fucked, man. Matt Ryan, how is this possible? How? It's too good. Football, man. That football could even compete with that World Cup game. And it did. It did. Part, partly was that Vikings game was so amazing. K.J. Osborne is going to be the reason why a lot of people win a lot of money in best ball leagues. And good for you. And if you're at a point in a deep league where you're starting him, like I did, I'm in, a, in one of our patron leagues. I started K.J. Osborne. I'm going to advance because of it. That's because we start five receivers. You all should be starting five receivers. If you have a chance to control a, a league, commission a league, you should add multiple receivers and flex positions, as I did. And then you get the benefit of actually having K.J. Osborne in your starting lineup. It was great. I also had Paris Campbell in my starting lineup. And it's the same process that leads you to starting both. And you're hoping you get a blowout game scenario and comeback mode from one of them. And sure enough, that's what the Vikings gave to K.J. Osborne. In another world, another iteration of this reality, in another multiverse, then... Paris Campbell goes off for 110 two touchdowns where the Colts are down 30. And speaking of the players like Jarek McKinnon, players like even Justin Watson, these are the player profiler darlings. It doesn't get more darling. It doesn't get more victory lap. It doesn't get more dance party than Chris Godwin. And I just want to say I love Chris Godwin. I've said it many times. I was the first in this industry to say that Chris Godwin is definitively better than Mike Evans. Mike Evans stinks now. Chris Godwin is back at the peak of his powers. It took him about the number of weeks that we expected for him to be back to 100% from tearing both his ACL and his MCL. This is when most players that tear those ligaments would be coming back for the first time. Godwin's been playing all year, been suffering setbacks, coming back, but now he's completely in form, right? He's giving you the 100% catch rate. He's he's converting everything. He's scoring touchdowns. This is what peak Chris Godwin looks like, and it's great. It's great to see. And for those of you that claim to uh, second-guess Tom Brady's life choices, oh, Tom Brady threw his life away for this. Well, so this is what he threw his life away for, Okay. Up on the screen, we have, uh, on YouTube, we have a photograph of Tom Brady and uh, someone reportedly dating him now. Reports are that this is his new girlfriend. So he threw his life away for this something. So I was at dinner last night, and uh, I showed some women at the table uh, this photo. I said, hey, by the way, they, they found uh, uh, the, the uh, you know, the whatever it is, the Daily Mirror or whatever, has found out who Tom Brady's dating now. What do you think? And I showed the photo. And uh, I just got a bunch of shaking heads, right? a bunch of disgusted looks. I was like, uh, what, why? Why? What, 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 why? What? What's the problem here? Why? She looks like a nice lady. She's younger than Giselle. I think that was the issue. Like, I was like, yeah, man, because I, I had this position, right? Remember, I was talking about, hey, listen, Tom, you're six and eight, buddy. You sure this was a good idea? 
Now I look up and I'm like, maybe. Like, I was like, yeah, man, because I, I had this position, right? Remember, I was talking about it. Hey, listen, Tom, you're six and eight, buddy. Are you sure this was a good idea? Now I look up and I'm like, maybe. I'm kidding. He lost his family to go six and eight. It was not a good idea. It was a bad choice. But no. Bad move. Bad. My position is it was a suboptimal life choice by Tom Brady. And I know a lot of you love this show. You've been wondering about Player Profiler. Should you subscribe? Well, the beauty is through the end of 2022, two weeks, the all-in package is just $10. So you can preview all our rankings, including cornerbacks and offensive linemen. The Dynasty Deluxe Package, the DFS Dominator... Data analysis, the draft kit, everything. When you go to subscribe, just go straight to all in and it's only 10 bucks because we want to show you what you've been missing. Back to pass, chased in the play. And it is inner snow. Inner snow. I mean, that throw. I mean, right? I mean, wow. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, we're live on TikTok, baby. Woo! This is suddenly like a, a truth or haven. Now let's go live uh, to the other locations. <laughs> Top 10 takeaways. Off we go. Yes. What? What? One of them, the Cowboys lost. Not in overtime, but what looked like an overtime score. The Cowboys lost in overtime. The Texans won in overtime. The Chiefs won in overtime. Can I get this right? Why can't I get any of this right? I'm getting it all backwards. God, I can't read. It's almost like I've been live for an hour and haven't had a break. It's almost like that. Look at me lashing out. I need to be a better broadcaster. Read scores correctly. No excuses. Play like a champion. No days off. Strip sack, fumble recovery, touchdown. As he is clutching his sphincter, trying to prevent the football from going up inside, and he can't do it. He just can't. He can't. It's going to happen. Just let it. Just relax into it, Matt. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> You're getting fucked, man. Matt Ryan, how is this possible? How? It's too good. Football, man. The soccer was even better.
She looks like a nice lady.